Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. You take your uh, Bible and turn to Luke 10. I appreciate that. We're going to go ahead and dismiss our children to Children's Church if they'd like to go to Children's Church. They're going to have a great time. We're going to uh, be celebrating the Lord's Supper today, and our children, uh, after our preaching time, will come back in. We'll have them join us also for Lord's Supper. So kids can head on out to Children's Church and go make crafts and learn about Jesus. Not have to listen to me right now. For the ones that you stay, I appreciate that. Thank you. Makes me feel great. Well, we are in uh, Luke 10. One of the things before we get to the text today, uh, I just want to remind you um, about the announcements time. There's a lot of information that goes out during that time, and it's, it's not always easy. I'm talking about myself. to listen and be very aware of what's going on. Uh, fortunately, I I'm, work here every day, so I, they tell me what's going on. Um, but for you who don't work here every day, I would really just encourage you to make sure that uh, you, you read your bulletin to check out the things going on. Uh, hopefully you, you have given us your contact information for your household, that we have an email address or a phone number. Uh, we, we text things out. We email things out weekly. There's a weekly email. So a lot of that is in there as well. Those are just great opportunities. We, we don't put those on because we think it'd just be fun. We think it's something that's uh, important for the body of Christ and could be important for you or your family or uh, the building up of the body of Christ. So Please make sure you're, you're checking that out, looking at those, uh, the bulletin for information and highlighting the information that uh, might be pertinent to you or opportunities that you might uh, like to take with, your, with you or your family. So uh, take a look at those, okay? Um, also, just a reminder, we are a family-friendly church. We love having children. We love having um, adults. We love having older people, younger people, men and women. We, lo- we love it, right? And so we know that sometimes children stick around, and that's great. And we want to make sure we provide opportunity for parents. There's a nursery that is available for, uh, at this point right now, and in, in actually the whole service for kids zero to three years old. We have a preschool children's church for four, five, and six. And then from like first grade through fourth grade, there's an ch- older kids' children's church available during this time. A nursery available the entire service. And uh, if you want to keep your little one with you, great. Uh, if you feel like there's, oh, I don't want to go to nursery, but I, there may be a distraction, we have a, a room that's behind that wall. It has a big TV screen, and great, it's great soundproofing, and it's, it's, a, it's a cry room, and so you could go in there and watch the service and be with other parents who may be uh, in there as well. So there are opportunities, but we certainly aren't going to push children away. We don't want to do that, right? Amen? Amen, right? We want to bring them here. So we're glad that you're here. Um, one of the things I want to make sure you're aware of as well, we are going to be heading towards a, um, a fifth Sunday family-friendly service. So you know what we did on Christmas Eve day and New Year's Eve day? We had one service, everyone was in here together, kids included. Um, on the fifth Sundays of the month uh, for, the, for the year, we will be doing that. So there won't be children's church on those days, but we're going to have a family-friendly service, a little children's corner as well as part of that, uh, and, and participating in Lord's Supper. So it's going to be a really wonderful time, uh, one, to give some of our ch- children's workers a break, uh, but also to make sure we are promoting the fact that we want to be a family-friendly church, okay? All right. We're in Luke 10. We are in the third of four sermons on, uh, on, in a series called The One Thing. The One Thing. And we're looking at Mary and Martha, the story of Mary and Martha. And uh, we've looked at a couple things. And the question is, what, what gets in the way of the one thing? That's, we're trying to answer that question. We answered it the first sermon with the distractions of life, right? We had distractions that get in the way. Last week, we talked about worries, right? And what were those fears? We worried about death, and we worried about life, and we worried about Tomorrow, right? Yeah, some of you learned that, didn't you? It's been, been a kind of a tough week trying to figure those things out, huh? 
the worry gets in the way of us being in, in, in trusting Jesus as that one thing. Uh, today, the sermon title is Lordship. And I know it kind of sounds odd to say that Lordship gets in the way of the one thing. Really, what I'm saying is Lordship gets in the way of Lordship. So it's not about necessarily Lordship. It's about where, what are my priorities? Where is my allegiance? And that's what we're going to be looking at today. When our allegiance is somewhere elsewhere than in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, when it's in the Lordship of me or uh, of self, right, or of my work or my family, that will get in the way of the one thing. So that's where we're at today. I'm going to pray. And then we're in Luke 10, beginning at verse 38. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are thankful for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you love us in spite of us, God. That you pursue us and you desire to have a relationship with us. God, as we are here today, as, as the family of God, we, we come from all different backgrounds this week, all different places in life and seasons of things going on, Lord, hardships or victories. But Lord, we come here today to humble ourselves before you. We ask that you would quiet our soul, you would soften our hearts, that you would open our eyes and our ears to be attentive to your word now. God, our desire is to see you more clearly, to see ourselves more clearly, and God, to move toward you more fully. We offer this time to you. We're thankful, and we give you all the praise and glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 10, we're reading verses 38 through 42. You ready? While they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed her into her home, welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So go and tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, as we begin and go through this text today, or, or part of it, I, I want to reiterate the fact that although Martha gets a bad rap here, right, it's, and, and rightly so in some ways, the Lord rebukes her and corrects her, Martha, her demeanor changes throughout the rest of Scripture. So here's your homework. You go home and, and do a deep dive on, on Martha after this point and see how she changed, see what happened, because her allegiance to the Lord was never in question after that. She understood what the one thing was, okay? So although we're talking about Martha that way, we understand we can all grow and repent and change our ways, okay? So as we talk about lordship, there's, there's three different things I want us to, to see and, and that have really come to light for me as I've studied this text uh, and probably looked at my own heart, right? There's three different lordship areas. Number one is this, lordship uh, in, this, in this way. Uh, she asked the question, Lord, don't you care? Lord, don't you care? You saw that, right? So she was distracted, and she was, she was anxious about that, and she came up to the Lord, and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve all by myself, all alone? Lord, don't you care? Now, when we talk about lordship, this is a, a big question that comes up, and, and probably a question, if you're honest, like me, I've asked before. Lord, do you, do you care? And, and, and maybe it's, it's my circumstance or whatever it is. It seems like maybe the Lord is distant, or he doesn't care. But her question was, 
Lord, don't you care? And, and, and really the underlying thing that was going through her mind, she, the unspoken part, right? The part she didn't say, Lord, don't, don't you care that, that I'm being inconvenienced? Lord, don't you care that, that I'm alone? Lord, don't you care that she is not serving? I'm serving. She's not serving. Lord, I'm, I'm angry and I'm upset. Don't you care? And ultimately, the underlying thing that was going through her heart and often is the same that's going through our heart is this. Lord, don't you care about what I care about? Don't you care about what I care about? Now, as we look at that, that, that's a great question to ask, and the Lord certainly cares about what you care about. I think about that with my own children, right? My, my children have all kinds of ideas and thoughts and priorities during their day. Their minds go a million miles a second, and I, I'm trying to keep up with what, what's important to them at that time. And if they have a concern or a hurt or a heartache or they're just mad, as a father, I care. I care. But my care is there. I do love them. I care about that. But what I care is that they get their care in order. So yes, I care that they're distraught or I, I care that they're wrestling with something. Of course I care. But I want them to care about the right thing. The Father in heaven is the same for us. When I ask, don't you care about what I care about? The Father, of course I care. But I really want you to care about what he would say what? What I care about. What I care about. And know me better than you think you do. There's a couple of examples of this. Jonah was one of them. <clears throat> Remember Jonah, the story of Jonah? Right? There's a city called uh, Nineveh. And, and God said, go to Nineveh and, and tell them that the Lord's judgment is coming. Now, Jonah did not like Nineveh and thought Nineveh should get what they deserve, right? They reap what they sow, man. They're, they deserve destruction. And I know God's gracious. He's good. He's going to spare these guys. So what, is, what does Jonah say to, to God? No. No. And, and in that no, it's, God, don't you care about what I care about? I want to read a little portion of this in Jonah 4. <clears throat> Jonah was, <clears throat> was displeased and became furious. He, he, that's his attitude, right? He prayed to the Lord. Please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled towards Tarshish in the first place. I knew. So these people had turned from their ways. And he says, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, who the one who relents from sending disaster. This is amazing. Jonah gets it. He knows who God is. He knows what God cares about. But why, So why is he mad? Because it's not what he cares about. That's when we ask, God, don't you care, Lord? Don't you care? There's a lordship thing in question here. Am I surrendering me to him, or am I asking him to surrender to me? It's that old adage with Jesus. Am I, am I going to follow Jesus, or am I asking Jesus? to follow me. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7. In the New Testament, the first book of the New Testament, in fact, Matthew chapter 7. <laughs> little confession uh, from last week. It was, it was in our small group. We were talking about this. I asked you last week to turn to Lamentations. And typically, I try to give you like where that book is, what's before it, and what's after. Total honesty, last, last week, I said turn to Lamentations. Total brain fart. I'm like, I have no idea where it is. Just here it is. I, I don't know. So sorry I didn't help you out on that one. You found it, though. I gave you a little extra time. Matthew chapter 7. Ever happened to you? Right? Okay. 
No, of course not. Of course not. In that moment, I'm like, Lord, don't you care? <laughs> Matthew 21. We're going to look at verses 21 through 27. Because a lot of people have this attitude. And you think about Jonah. What did he do? He, he was displeased and he went to God. Lord, come on. Don't, don't you care about what I care about? That's what Jonah did. He went to the Lord. And so other people, Jesus talks about this in other people's lives too. In Matthew 7, beginning in verse 21, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, what? Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. He says, on that day, many, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name and, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, what? I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. So there's, in verse 22, it says, on that day, many will say, many will say, and, and what we see the many caring about is the law. Rules and regulations, follow through, making sure they've dotted every T and crossed, or dotted every I and crossed every T. They want to be perfect in this way, and they come and say, Lord, don't you care? Look how great I've done. Doesn't that mean something to you? Jesus says, I'm going to tell you, no, I, I never knew you. Depart from me, from me. He goes on in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who... Now, there's a, a contrast here. I, I marked this in my Bible. I circle the many will in verse 22, and I draw a line between that and the in everyone who in verse 24. Because there's a contrast here. Many will try to do their own thing their own way. But Jesus says, everyone who, what? Hears these words of mine and then acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell and the rivers rose and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. He's making this contrast. He says there's, there's a way out of this. There's the many who will do what they want, but there's everyone else who will listen and act on what I say. This is what Mary was doing, right? Martha was upset because Mary was at the feet of Jesus listening to the words of Christ. What does Jesus say? Here, here. everyone who hears my words and then does them, that they're the ones that will find favor with me. He goes on, though, and he talks about the, the other ones who don't hear, right? These are back to the many will. Uh, who hear my words and, and don't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. Here, here's the trouble. Martha, like Martha, we like to be our own everything. We like to be in charge of our destiny, in charge of our day, in charge of the tasks. We like to be in charge of what is important. I know I'm, I'm saying amen and down deep. I'm trying not to say it out loud, right? That's what we're, we like to do. But what Jesus is saying, and, it, and, it's, and we, then we go to him, when we want to be in charge of everything, it doesn't go our way. We go to him and say, Lord, don't you care? To which he replies, don't you know me? Of, of course I care. You can't be your everything. I want to be your everything. We ask, don't you care? Doesn't God care? Of course. We see that in Romans, that God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
while you didn't have it all together, while you couldn't be your everything, while you were worrying about whatever you were worrying about, Christ died for you. So if you would humble yourself and stop trying to be your everything and stop caring about what you care about and care about what God cares about, he is mighty to forgive and mighty to save. Christ died for us. He's mighty to forgive, save, and he's mighty to give us rest. Do we, do we properly know him? In Luke chapter 4, Jesus came up and read in the synagogue one day, and he read a part of Scripture that talked about himself. He said, today this is fulfilled in me. Well, what was he there to do? He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release of the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set, the, set free the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Well, that, that sounds like something Mary was experiencing at the feet of Jesus. That does not sound like something Martha experienced. And it's not something you and I will experience by running around like a chicken with our heads cut off, trying to do everything on our own, our way. It's a lordship issue, isn't it? Lord, don't you care? Of course he cares. So, so what's the one thing, when, we, when this comes up in our heart, Lord, don't you care, what's the one thing? that We, should, we shouldn't ask that question. We should, we should ask, God, what do you care about? And then we should care about what he cares about. Do you know what he cares about? He cares about you. He cares about your soul. He cares about you finding him and through faith in Christ, finding forgiveness and finding rest. He cares about the release of the captives, the, the recovery of the sight to the blind, to set, the, set free the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what he cares about. We need to align our cares with his cares. Number two, we talk about lordship. This is the second thing she says. Lord, tell her. Now, Interesting, he uses, or she uses Lord here. Because if we say Lord, we mean what? You're the boss, you're in charge. And, but what did she do? What did she do? She told the Lord what to do. Do you, you get that? Lord, tell her. Oh, it's interesting. I, I, I wrote down this. It just came to mind as I was, as I was prepping this week. Um, you remember that uh, you're watching a program or, or listening to something on the radio, and it said, you know, we interrupt the, this program with this important message, right? There was an interruption. And you're like, all the time, you're like, anymore at least, this is not near as important as what I was watching or what I was listening to. Don't interrupt this message with what you have. But that's what, you think about that even in, in your siblings, like you, you would, uh, like when you're talking with your, or interacting with your kids or, your, or with your brother or sister, right? They would throw a fit and they'd get their way, Right? And, and, it, and typically that fit interrupts something. It's like, I'm not getting my way. And you're like, I was really doing something here. It was fun. We were on the right path. And then this interruption happened, right? Lord, tell her. And what do we do as siblings? Mom, tell him to stop or tell her to stop. Well, that's what we do, right? We go to our parents and we command them to go tell our brother or sister something because we want it that way, okay? This, this was something that was not new in Jesus' day either. There are a couple instances of this. Well, one, one of these, during our small group last week, we had talked about this one of the, uh, Doug had mentioned this in Luke 12 it says uh, someone from the crowd came to Jesus and said to him teacher tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me Lord tell my brother to give me my my share I want I want my money now and he went on to say how foolish it was to seek earthly wealth Jesus was like that he was patient he didn't just do what people said John 8 the, the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who was caught in adultery 
before him. And, and she made her stand in the center. And it says in verse 4, Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such women. So what do you say? They asked him to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. So they weren't asking him what he really thought, were they? That what they were saying was, hey, Lord, tell us that we can stone her. Tell us that we can accuse her. Tell us that we can condemn her. Tell us we're right. In fact, we would say that they said, tell us we're right or else. You ever do that with Jesus? Lord, tell that person or do this or else. We have an ultimatum. This is what they did. So he stops and he writes in the, in the sand a little bit. And he went on eventually to show that his heart was not one of condemnation. But his heart was one of forgiveness through him. Because he would be the provision that she would need and that they would need when he died on the cross. He would not be the one. He would not be the one to elevate some by condemning others. You see, that's what they wanted. Lord, please condemn her so we can feel better about ourselves. Lord, tell her how bad she is. In fact, let's get rocks and, and get ready. They had rocks in their hands. And what the Lord said is, you know what? All are condemned. All are condemned. So don't go around saying, Lord, tell her or do, tell him that. Look at your heart and say, you know what? I'm in this camp as well. He must be Lord, not me. Because I stand condemned just as condemned as you. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke. So we're Matthew, Mark, Luke would be the third book of the Gospels. Luke chapter 18. We're going to look at verses 9 through 14. Again, this is a, a perspective change that needs to happen. When I, when I say, Lord, tell her, I, I usually go to the Lord saying, Lord, I'm better than that person. Lord, I have it figured out. Lord, I'm right. Lord, you are obviously going to agree with me. And we see this in Luke 18, beginning at verse 9. If, if I had to count or guess how many times this passage has come up in the past 12 months, I would probably say a dozen, right? Just, just in sermons and in, in teaching here, it's, it's a lot. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they looked down on everybody else. So right away he's saying, I'm talking to the ones who you say, Lord, tell them how bad they are. He goes on. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. What's he say? God, I, I thank you that I'm not like other people greedy and unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this here tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of everything I get. What was he saying? Lord, tell them, show them how much better I am than them. Well, he went on to tell the story. He says, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but he kept on striking his chest and said, and here's the key, you can write, underline this in your Bible, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. 
I, I, how dare I go around? God, tell her. God, tell him. God, show the world how great I am. That's just pride. Thinking I know better, and that I know better over worse people. But there was a, an epiphany here. This other, this tax collector, the sinner, how did he see himself? He didn't say, Lord, tell... Tell that Pharisee, I'm trying. Lord, tell that Pharisee to, to give me a hand. What did he say? Lord, have mercy on me. That's part of, this, that's part of the one thing. What, what do we need? We need mercy. We need God's grace. Turn with me to the book of Psalms. We're going to look at another passage regarding this. Kind of right in the middle of the Bible. Kind of split in the middle, maybe a little bit to the left. Psalm 86. I think there's a way to approach God and say, Lord, I, 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 answer me. I don't know what I'm facing. But what Martha wanted was to say, Lord, you need to do this because I'm right and I'm better than her and she's bad. I think the psalmist here got it, got it right and this could be part of our prayer. So first part of, of this Lord tell her point is the one thing is I need mercy. God, I need mercy. I realize and recognize who I am and I'm nothing without your mercy. The next part is found here in Psalm 86. We're looking at verses one through 11. Follow me here. Listen, Lord, and, and answer me. Now, that almost starts off, right? That almost starts off like Martha. Lord, listen to me. But what, what does the psalmist say? Listen to me for I am what? I am poor and needy. I, I am worthless. I need you. Protect my life, for I am faithful. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I call on you all day long. Bring joy to your servant's life because I appeal to you, Lord. For you, Lord, for you, Lord, are kind and ready to forgive, abounding in faithful love to all who call on you. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cries for what? Mercy. There it is. Lord, I need mercy. God, have mercy on me. Verse 7, I call on you in the day of my distress, for you will answer me. Lord, there is no one like you among the gods, there are, there, and there are no works like yours. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and will honor your name, for you are great and perform wonders. You alone are God. And here it is, verse 11, the one thing, teach me your way, Lord. Teach me your way, Lord, and I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. That, that is the antidote. The Lord, tell them this. Lord, show them I'm right. Lord, look how great I am. Lord, obviously I'm your chosen one. You know what the one thing is? Oh, Lord, I need mercy and so, Lord, teach me your way. It's not, Lord, tell them to do this. It's, Lord, teach me. Teach me. That's the one thing. Show me my need for your mercy and teach me your way that I might respond in humility at your feet. That's what the Lord is teaching us. Number three, when it comes to lordship, this is not something she said. But this is something she inferred, Martha did. Lord, bowing down is hard. Anyone feel that ever? 
I'm reminded of it constantly as I see this in my kids. I'm reminded of it in me constantly as I see this in my children. Because I am just a grown-up child in my father's eyes. And I constantly I find it tough to bow down before him. It is hard to bow down. Mary was humbly attentive. Martha was proudly busy. But it takes us actually submitting to him as Lord in order to bow down to him. And, and we have this example. The first thing we see in Luke 6, he challenges us and says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord? Used twice like he did with Martha. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and what? And not do the things that I say. That should be a check in our hearts right away. When we go and say, Lord, are we going because we want him to do something we want him to do? Or we say, Lord, teach me. Show me your way. I want to obey. But bowing down is hard. Here's our example of submission. Our example is found in Jesus' example of submission. When he submitted himself to the Father, to the God the Son, submitted himself to God the Father. In Philippians 2, it says this, that we should adopt the same attitude, right? Share, grab that example and run with it. The one that Christ had, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to exploit it. Here, here's what it says. God, who existed eternally before everything, decided that he would put on flesh. So he didn't consider that, that position to be something to be uh, held on to. He said, I'm going to lower myself. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant and taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. What does it mean to, su to submit ourselves to the Lord? It's to obey. It, you can't say, Lord, Lord, and not do the things he says. Jesus was humbly obedient to the will of the Father. True love for God. True lordship of Jesus Christ is humble obedience. That's what says he's Lord. And I'm not. Lord, I bow before you. Our, our scripture reading that Dave read this morning was from Joshua 24. I want to read the first two verses that were read this morning already. And here, here's what I'm going to tell you today. This is not a fence-sitting issue. We, we think that there are those neutral issues. Like, I, I haven't really made up my mind yet. Like, let's say you're in your marriage, right? Your, your, your wife's like, I really want to go do something, and uh, Valentine's Day is coming up, but take, take me out. And you're like, okay, I'll think about it. Do you think your wife is, like, moving towards you, or do you think you're kind of moving away? Because you're not on the fence. She's hoping you'll cross over and take her out somewhere nice, right? Date night's coming up, guys, gals, come on. We're never in a neutral position. With our allegiance to Christ, we are either in obedience to Christ or we are what? In disobedience to Christ. It's not like, oh, let me think about that for a little while and I'll figure it out. Either you are going to bow yourself before the Lord Almighty and worship Him and obey Him, or you are going to bow yourself before yourself or other small g-gods and worship and obey them. There is no offense. You're moving either towards Christ or away from Christ. You can't sit on the fence. Joshua says this in 24, uh, 14. Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. 
Get rid of the gods of your ancestors that they worship beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, then choose for yourselves today. Which will you worship? The God of your ancestors that they worship beyond the Euphrates River or the God of the Amorites in whose land you are living? What does Joshua say? As for me and my house, we will serve or worship the Lord. Stop thinking you're sitting on a fence. We are not sitting on a fence. Either we will cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to bow. In which you're saying, I'm going to worship another God. Which is really yourself. Or you're going to say, Lord, help me bow. I want to humble myself and I want to serve you. I want, I want to be yours. And I want to follow you. I don't, I don't want to follow me. You know that last part of the verse in, in Luke chapter 10. Jesus says, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. There's the one thing, and we've talked about this one thing. It's being in Christ, being with Jesus, right? Having, having this, this humility that says, I'm going to obey and I want his mercy. It's that, this is a relationship with Christ, is what he's saying here. And what he said is, Mary, Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. I, I, want us, I want us to think about this for a minute, a little in depth. We're about to close our message time. We're going to go into the, the Lord's Supper here in a minute, right? The Lord's table is, is set here, and we're going to partake together. I, I want you to think about the right choice of the one thing that's been made and the fact that it won't be taken away. You see, when we come to faith in Christ, when we go to Him and say, God, I need your mercy. God, have mercy on me as sinner. Teach me your ways. Humble me. Let me sit at your feet and, and learn and be obedient to you. We have chosen what this passage also would be translated, the right portion. The right nourishment. The right thing that will feed us and continue to nourish us. Last text of the day. Turn with me to John chapter 6. If you're in Psalms, it's back to the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. John chapter 6. Mary, again, had chosen what was right, and Jesus said it will not be taken away from her. This last passage that we have, what we're going to see is, we're going to see that, that Jesus is responding to people who have the, their own thoughts of their own way. Again, these religious leaders think, oh, I know how to do this, I, I, and I'm going to tell you what to do, Jesus. So right away, in, in John 6, beginning at verse 30, they asked, what sign are you going to do so we might see you and believe? What are they saying? Lord, would you please do this? You need to do this, Lord. Which they are saying, I'm the Lord and you're not. Lord, do this, they asked. Uh, he said, what, what sign are you going to perform? Our an they, they went on. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written. He's gave, given them bread from heaven to eat. Now, here's, here's the notion here. We want this miraculous manna. We want, like, God, you give us these miracles and, and make us better. Make us, make us full. Provide this miraculously. We're asking you for this. But, but they were missing the point of not just the, the miracle, but the one who gave the miracle, the one who gives the miracle. So Jesus went on. He said, Truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
They said, sir, give us this bread always. You know what he said? I am the bread of life. I am that. And he says, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. You know why it wouldn't be taken from Mary? Because what Jesus offers when you go to the one who gives the bread, you go to the one who is the bread, she will always be satisfied in Christ. And, and that's, that's the constant battle for us, right? But bowing is hard. Humbling ourselves is hard. Today as we partake in the Lord's Supper, I'm going to go and ask if uh, our worship team would come back up now, please, and the, those who are serving the Lord's Supper would make their way up here in the front pew for a minute. As we partake in the Lord's Supper, we're, we're looking at this and saying, uh, there's, there's one thing to choose. And my choice is the bread of life. My choice is going to be Jesus. My choice is going to be the one that can always satisfy and will never, ever disappoint. It's Jesus Christ. My hope is that you have chose the bread of life, or if you haven't, you will choose the bread of life today. As we come to the elements of the table, what we're saying is, listen, God, what you have done for me, how you sacrificed, you gave yourself, right? When I say, God, don't you care? He says, of course I care. You want to know how much I care? I care this much. And I'll spread myself out and allow myself to be crucified, laid down on a cross, my blood shed for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. If what? You would come humbly and bow before me to receive the mercy I freely offer to you. And he came and he gave a body, right? The God of the universe put on human flesh, so he could offer that human flesh as a sacrifice for your sins and for my sins. That's what we, we observe when we come to the Lord's table. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're saying, God, what you have accomplished is sufficient for me. Your shed blood is there for forgiveness of sin. Your offered body is there as a sacrifice in my place where I deserve to be, but you took my place, giving me mercy instead of what I deserve. And, and that should change our heart that should change the notion of lordship in our lives. When we come partake of the Lord's Supper, it is not, okay, Lord, look how good I am. I'm, I'm worthy to do this today. No, you're not. But He is. Praise God. He is worthy. He's the worthy Lamb that was slain for you and for me. And when we come, we say, there's nothing else that will ever satisfy except for Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life. We trust in Him. Amen? We're going to partake in this in just a moment. And, and the, the, the worship team is going to lead just kind of instrumentally. And I, I would encourage you as we pass these elements out to, to just really take that time to, to, to be self-reflective. Thinking in your own heart, it, what, where's, where's the lordship of my life? Is it in me? Is it in my own desires? Is it in what I, what I want? Am I telling the Lord what to do? Or am I going to the Lord saying, God, I'm a sinner. I need mercy. I need you to, to teach me your ways. I want to be obedient to you. I want more of you because more of you will never be taken away from me. Find that out. Think through that as we pass these elements out and, and, and the ushers are going to pass those out and we have our children here. This is the family of God together under the covenant of God. And so as your family is here and so we have older children who know that they've, they've put their faith in Christ and this means everything. He's the bread of life. They'll participate with it. If, you, if you're a family, you're, you're, you know your kids, you know the heart, you know where they're at, what they know. If, now, maybe you're here today and you haven't asked Jesus to forgive your sin. You haven't put your faith and trust in him. He isn't the bread of life for you. 
If he's not the bread of life for you, then don't partake in the bread of life. Watch, though, and observe as, as the rest of us try our best to humble our hearts and say he's worth everything. Or, or better yet, put your faith in the bread of life. Repent of your sin and turn to faith in him and say, God, you're everything. I need more of you. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord. I'm done being boss. And he will. He'll forgive you. As these gentlemen pass this out, I'd ask that you just hold on to it. They're double cupped, right? The bread on the bottom, the juice on the top. Make sure you get two cups and just hold on to it and try to have a time of respect and self, self-reflection and maybe a time of teaching with your children or your family where you're at. Not a time to mingle and have conversations other than that. But let's make it a self-reflective, reverent, honoring time to the Lord Jesus. Once we've all received uh, the cup, double cup, these gentlemen will come forward and they'll go back to their families and, and we will read our scripture and we will partake of the elements together at the same time, okay? And that's those guys come on up.